welcome to Swarthmore Presbyterian Church's podcast. This is your host, Alex Evangelista. We are delighted you are here, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You are now listening to a sermon recorded for May 30th, 2021, titled, Being Like a Child, by Reverend Joyce Shin. Would you please pray with me? In the hearing of your word, O God, help us to wonder what more you would have us to discover about you, about us, about the mystery of it all. Amen. One of the things I missed most during this year of pandemic was the presence of young children in my life. No longer a parent of a young child, I had come to depend on the church as the community in which I would get to be in the presence of young children. I have missed holding infants, even in baptisms, even if my interactions with some of your children may be mostly nonverbal, as it is often the case when we interact with children other than our own. I have missed just being around them. One of the aspects of church that I value most is its multi-generational nature. The church is, as far as I know, the only multi-generational institution in our society. It is the only social institution made up of four generations. This is not by accident. A profound appreciation of every stage of life is embedded in our understanding that God is Lord of our entire lives and that spiritual maturation takes place throughout the course of our days. When we speak about spiritual maturation, however, I don't mean to imply that spiritual maturation is always chronological as though the older we become, or the longer we live, the more spiritually mature we become. No, in fact, there are plenty of passages in the Gospels in which Jesus respects children and what they can teach adults about spiritual maturity. In writing about how the Gospels view children, theologian Jerome Berryman perhaps best known around the world among Montessori teachers as founder of Godly Play, calls this a high view of children in the Bible. Such a high view of children is at work in Jesus's response to his disciples who arguing with one another about who is the greatest in the kingdom of God, turn to Jesus for an answer. As Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell this story, Jesus calls forth a child and says to the disciples, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Mark tells us that Jesus sat down and while taking a child in his arms, taught his disciples to consider a child, not himself, 
as a guide to their spiritual growth and maturation. Children, Jesus taught, are in touch with and embody something that adults may have forgotten and need to recover. Therefore, Jesus says, let the little children come to me and do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. So serious was Jesus about this that he warned quite terribly that if any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. Such a high view of children sees children as bearers of God's presence and as exemplifying what adults must become in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Whenever Jesus said things like this, it must have been quite shocking to the disciples. Day to day, it seems, the disciples didn't really have children on their radar. At times, they even tried to keep children away from Jesus, presumably out of concern that the children would distract or distract from their focus. After all, children were not significant in political terms. They were weak, without funds, and had neither vote nor voice. They couldn't carry the Jesus movement forward. So when Jesus said, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven, the disciples must have been jostled from their single-minded agenda. The truth is, Jesus, too, didn't think about children all the time. In addition to the needs of children, he had a lot of other concerns on his mind. He is seen in the Gospels traveling, feeding the crowds, healing the sick, dealing with his disciples, even a traitor among them, facing his own death and preparing for an unjust trial. His mind must have been on a lot of different things. Interestingly, in the Gospel of John, Jesus never once speaks of or addresses children. One New Testament scholar, Marianne Thompson, writes in her commentary on the Gospel of John that children are essentially missing from the pages of the Gospel of John. The one story in John's Gospel, however, that has implications for the significance of children and how we understand the spiritual maturity is the story we heard this morning, the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, a leader of the Jews, and a member of the Sanhedrin Council. He comes to Jesus in the dark of night to let Jesus know that in his judgment, the Sanhedrin Council has reason to acknowledge him as a teacher who has come from God. As a member of the council who felt threatened by, plotted against, and then condemned Jesus, Nicodemus is a rather complex figure negotiating many adult responsibilities. Unlike most members of the council, he has an open mind, 
about who Jesus is, but he also carries many preconceptions. Just as soon as Jesus perceives that Nicodemus is trying to understand who Jesus is by fitting him into his previous religious rubric, Jesus challenges him to reconsider what it means to come from God. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born anew. Understandably, Nicodemus wonders, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? How can these things be? Today, being born again usually refers to the experience of conversion as understood by two important Christian movements, the fundamentalist movement and the charismatic movement. Both are important correctives to Christian experience that may not take seriously enough the spirit and the spirit's way of moving our hearts. The emphasis placed on a particular kind of conversion experience, however, can result in such a narrowing of our experience of the spirit that it squeezes the wonder out of starting all over again without any preconceptions. What if we could start all over again without any preconceptions? Joan Erickson, known for collaborating with her spouse Eric Erickson in developing the nine stages of psychosocial development, raised this same question as she told a story. It was a sunny day at the Cape, and she was with her grandchild picking blueberries. And he came up to her and said, Nana, you are old, and I am new. She wrote that this was an unchallengeable pronouncement. But what she wanted to know was how to be new despite being old. Isn't this the question that Nicodemus is asking? How to be new despite being old? How to be born anew? Of course, none of us can revert biologically or chronologically. What does Jesus mean then when he teaches that spiritual maturation requires us to be born anew? When it seems that Nicodemus doesn't get it, Jesus likens being born anew to existing in the spirit. Like the wind that blows freely where it chooses, the spirit moves in ways that are mysterious to us and uncontrollable by us. We don't know where it comes from and where it is going. None of our preconceptions can contain or control it. Receiving such a response from Jesus Nicodemus goes away puzzled, without a solution. And that's okay. It's perhaps the point. Jesus is not, after all, a problem to be solved. That he came from above is a mystery, not a problem. For when something comes from God, it is of the Spirit, mysterious and free. 
French playwright Gabrielle Marcel has written a lot on the difference between a problem and a mystery. The main distinction is that while a problem has, in theory, a solution, a mystery has no solution. A mystery refers to something fathomless. The deeper one goes, the further the reach into fathomlessness. The higher one probes, there is always something or some place higher. Inspired by this distinction, Catholic priest Killian MacDonald wrote a poem entitled, God is Not a Problem. It goes like this. God is not a problem I need to solve, not an algebraic polynomial equation I find complete before me with positive and negative numbers I can add, subtract, multiply. God is not a fortress I can lay siege to and reduce. God is not a confusion I can place in order by my logic. God's boundaries cannot be set like marking trees to fell. God is the presence in which I live, where the line between what is in me and what before me is real, but only God can draw it. God is the mystery I meet on the street, but cannot lay a hold of from the outside, for God is my situation. The condition I cannot stand beyond, cannot view from a distance, the presence I cannot make into an object, only enter on my knees. I was introduced to this poem by my former professor, Martin Marty. He includes it at the start of his book entitled, The Mystery of the Child. Given that his extended family consists of seven children, nine grandchildren, and three great-grandchildren, I have no doubt that writing The Mystery of the Child was personally significant to him. What he mainly addresses in this book is the temptation to treat children as though they were problems to be solved or controlled, even by the most loving and well-intended parents. In fact, his book is geared toward adults who provide care for children, parents, teachers, clinicians, social workers. Given that his book is all about the mystery of children, it may be surprising that he ends the book with a chapter that calls adults to change and become like little children. His intent is not to cause anyone in older age to regret opportunities they may have squandered, that they can never retrieve, or to succumb to feelings of loss or envy. Least productive of all would be to feel any terrible concern about whether we are too late in becoming like little children. If someone were to ask, why was I not told to change and become like a child? Martin Marty writes, in the case of many, one has to say, you were told. That was the point of the command in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. When Jesus said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It was the point of what Jesus said to Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, when he said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born anew. 
the point for all who hear these words is that unless you change and become like children, you cannot become part of the kingdom. You cannot continue to be living and calculating about decisions in life the way that you do. What Jesus commends is a childlikeness, not just for children, but for people of all ages. Childlikeness is not a state which only applies to the first phase of our lives. It is rather a basic condition which is always appropriate to life that is lived right. Karl Rahner calls this basic condition original childhood. We are all children of God, and as such, for the whole of our lives, we are utterly dependent on the fathomless mystery of God. We cannot contain, control, or solve this mystery. We can simply behold, be present to, and wonder with one another about God, ourselves, and the mystery of it all. So it is, Jesus says, with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon, recorded for May 30th, 2021, titled, Being Like a Child, by Reverend Joyce Shin. We'll see you soon. May the peace of Christ be with you.